What do you know about that, man? <laughs> That was pretty fun. <laughs> All right, let's just jump into it. So I'm sitting down with, I'm Chase Winnegar, host of the podcast. Today we got Gabe Jenkins, Deer and Elk Program Coordinator. Gabe, say hi. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Gabe's been on, have you been on once before in person? Uh, at least once. I think maybe twice, but I know I had your audio. I had a, I included your and Chad's talk about uh, the updated deer eggs after they got finalized. Gotcha. So you've kind of been on an extra time without being in the room here. Cool. And then Kyle Sams. Howdy. What's your uh, what's your job title, Kyle? I am a wildlife biologist, uh, and main focus is deer. Okay, you might you might have to scoot a little bit closer. Sorry, yeah, that's yeah, good. You about got to eat that one. Okay. Yeah, um, <laughs> Kyle, the first time I ever met you, I just talked to you about this in the hallway, but it's kind of a good story. It was when I was on my way to work one day, and there was a fresh roadkill buck right there off the interstate up here in Frankfurt, mm -hmm. and I hadn't been here for two months. And so I'm like, well, hey, fresh buck here, decent rack on him. I think I'm going to get a confirmation number for him and, and keep him. And so I call the game warden, and he says, okay, I'll ride on out there. And next thing I know, you show up in a fish and wildlife <laughs> truck and start loading them up to take them off. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> swiped him. Yeah, yeah, there was yeah. a doe and, uh, and that buck there, yeah. uh, both there, and I grabbed them both. And he, he asked if I could, if he could have the antlers. I said, I don't even remember exactly what I said, but my intent was to give them back. Yep, yep. <laughs> I'm sure you did. Sure, yeah. sure that was your intent. <laughs> no, your intent no, in my defense, in my defense. Put them on my yeah, desk. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's either going to educational. Yeah. Or, uh, but I, what happened was they ended up giving it to uh, Nancy for a Christmas decoration <laughs> and expecting it back <laughs> with the worse. intent no, uh, to no give it back go. to Jason and never got back. To I don't know what I was going to use them for. Probably rattle antlers or something. Like said, not <laughs> not a buck I harvested. Yeah, but the first experience I ever had with Kyle was when he jacked that deer from me <laughs> out there on the interstate. I was like to work for He's that He's a good deer, deer biologist then. <laughs> yeah. Swiping deer off from people. That's when we had ego. I guess you guys probably did a neocropsy on it. I don't know what the purpose of a roadkill deer would be other than the antlers for educational use or something like that. Just to get them off the road? Um, Technically, that spot was just easier for me to grab the deer mm -hmm. and throw it back in the truck versus sit there and um, whack the yeah. head off for a CWD sample. And that was really the purpose of okay. it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we we pick up roadkill all the year all year long, um, just for different things. So during you know the roadkill animals are usually the ones that are less or more susceptible to disease. Uh -huh. So we have you have a higher risk of picking up CWD. Uh, so we pick those up twenty four seven three sixty five, and then also. Uh, pregnant does in the fall and winter we'll take those does back pull the fetuses and we will figure out the rut so when they were bred conception okay. date huh. um, uh, birth date allow us to gauge rut activity so i guess the the cwd one i kind of knew because it makes mm -hmm. sense a deer that might have cwd is probably a little bit more disoriented or not quite as aware so they're more likely right. to get hit by a car so that's probably why you pick up a higher percentage of those on the road uh, do you pick up any? I mean, with CWD, we're CWD free state though, right? Right. We don't have any CWD in the state. We've not detected it, but that's a very common way to do surveillance. So how do the, so you pick up the fawn or the does that are pregnant with fawns and you basically date how old those fawns are so you can kind of backtrack and figure out when the doe was bred? Right. So it, it's actually pretty cool. So there's a ruler that we use that you lay the fetus down on the ruler and uh, it it provides all that information. We know how long the gestation is on a doe based and then how much that fetus grows every day. Mm -hmm. Lay that on the ruler. It gives you a length um, and, and then number of days. And then you can back calculate it to when that animal was bred, when that animal would have had full-term fetuses and been producing those fawns. Huh. So it also gives us that, but it also gives us litter size um, and then the age and sex information of that litter. So 
it's a it's a pretty good tool for us because it's kind of a you could say if you grab a bunch of those does off the side of the road and you have an average of okay does are having two fawns or you know you can kind of get an idea for the general population oh yeah yeah, yeah. and so our staff are picking these up all across the state every year um, you know, we also break it down by age. So you would expect a three and a half year old doe to have at least two, mm-hmm. uh, or three or four. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that kind of gives us a feel for production health of all those does as well. Three or four. I know I've seen triplets before, but I don't know if I've ever seen yeah. a doe out there with four fawns. Huh. And that has to do with age. I thought maybe it was a, a population density thing where deer produce more offspring if there was a lower population, like in Eastern Kentucky, where the population is not quite so high, would a doe possibly have more fawns than they would in um you know zone one county where there, there is a big population not really you still got to have health conditions okay. in there and a lot of the reasons why the population is not high it just isn't productive okay so um you know you kind of have that nice blend of age health uh-huh. um, and habitat all play into that see that's kind of how coyotes do it you know they they will produce larger or smaller litters based on uh density in the area, which really, in my opinion, has more to do with available food and just habitat. You know, it's not necessarily, are there other coyotes close? I, I think they'd probably have smaller litters in a less fertile place for coyotes to live than they would in a really fertile place. But I was just kind of wondering if deer did the same thing, if they controlled the, the size of their of their litters based on that at all. But. The only thing that we know that they can can control is the, the male-female ratio of those That's, of those fawns. I don't see how they do that. So in a in a very density stressed environment, you will see more males mm-hmm. than you will females huh. in that litter. So it's not something the doe is, you know, selectively doing. It's just a byproduct of the stress okay. of a high density area. That kind of makes me wonder, you know, people this is a little off topic. People are trying to conceive on purpose. Sometimes they try to do certain things to get a boy or a girl. You know, so maybe there is some truth to some of those things. I'm not Need sure. a rating thing, now, folks. Beware! This is yeah. about to go to PG thirteen. Yeah, well, it, it has before. <laughs> anyway, that so the the fawn study thing that you just mentioned. I knew we did some fawn studies, mortality studies, and um, what, the VIT is that what it's yep. called? Oh, we did some stuff with that. I've seen it on the show, but I didn't know we did that. I've worked here for two something years and I didn't know that. So I got to imagine a lot of people out there have no idea some of the studies that we do and some of the measures we take to uh, monitor the deer population. Absolutely. I mean, that's why we have our staff out there and, and working hard that's to why you make got sure Kyle. we monitor. I mean, and it's not just Kyle. I mean, Kyle's yeah. focus is deer, but we have regional staff, technicians all across the state mm-hmm. to help us. You know, we're a small army of three, Yeah. Uh, myself and two deer biologists, so we can't do it all. We've got to rely on our field staff to help us and yeah, they're collecting all kinds of metrics every year that a lot of staff and people don't even know we do. Yeah. But uh, when we need it, we've got it. That's why I always kind of think it's funny when you see these uh, keyboard warriors talking about how they know something better. And I, they have the resources that go into the, the deer research we do. Just ridiculous. I mean, it's mm-hmm. something nobody else could ever pull off. And that's why I put a lot more uh, confidence in, in what I hear from you guys. Honestly, I might be a little bit biased because I work here, but it's because of the resources and the manpower that goes into figuring this stuff out. But anyway, I would kind of tell you what I planned on doing uh, for today. And I don't know if you have something else you want to throw in there, but I had some deer related uh, questions and just things that are on my mind. It's the eve of modern firearm season. So, thank kind goodness. Of, yeah, it kind of seems like a good thing to talk about. <laughs> deer running. And the weather is right for the first time. Oh, I was just up there talking to Low Lee 20s. and those guys. Oh, it's going to be perfect weather, yeah. I believe. Yeah. And um, I got a stat I want to throw out there here in just a second but so i wanted to get into some of those questions and things maybe do a, a rut report quote unquote that's something that we've kind of been asked about uh, maybe what to expect and maybe some tips for people uh-oh sorry here we're going to be out here over the next few weeks 
want to talk about gun season in general and just kind of why it's important from like a conservation standpoint. Because, I mean, that has something to do with what I'm going to throw out there here in just a second. And then also, you're going to love this, threw some feelers out there on social media to get some questions. Cool. So we can do that. Some of those uh, Facebook pages, you get like some it. good content from uh-huh. them. All right. So the stat I was going to throw out there is something I heard you say uh, not long ago. And that's that 75% of our harvest come during modern firearm season. Right? Correct. And you were talking about how weather-dependent those harvests are. Mm-hmm. So go into that just a little bit and talk about maybe how, why modern firearm season is so important for our management. Yeah, so I mean, for us, we are a modern firearm gun hunting state. You know, our constituents, this is when the majority of our harvest happens. Um, it's also the best time to deer hunt. Our gun season is on the, on the rut, on the peak of the breeding season where you're going to get the best movement and activities and you have your highest likelihood of harvesting deer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that works for us. We put all of our effort and time and, and think about management. When we think about it, it's during the 16-day modern gun season um, to try to control the population or manage the population. So, yeah, knowing that, um, and that's when the majority of our hunters hit the woods, thinking about what what causes uh, that population or the harvest numbers to go up and go down. A lot has to do with... with um, um, uh, you're going to say weather, I believe. Weather, but what, what <laughs> participation was the word I mean. Okay, okay, okay. Participation is what drives that. And, you know, what the factors that go into participation automatically, weather, you know, other events that you're thinking about and going on in your life, your time that you have, work, non-work, family issues, all those things. But, but weather was one thing that we can really look at and say, all right, these are conducive for people to get out. It's also good weather for hunter, for deer to be moving. It's not going to be super windy. It's not hot. It's you know it's not super cold, and you expect good movement when you get all those right conditions. We can expect a pretty high harvest. Yeah, know? if you've got conditions that are are fitting for people to get out in the woods, and also fitting at the same time for deer to be up and on their feet, then yeah, absolutely. And that's uh, like you said. I mean, your ultimate goal is management of the resource, right? Correct. And so this is when you manage it. It's probably what happens during gun season is probably the most important thing from your all standpoint. Uh, as far as your job year-round goes, right? Correct. Very much so. You know, some people, I see this online. I read too much online. They say that's probably a bad idea. But some people say they wish gun season would be moved one direction or the other to allow bucks to breed or something like that. But I'm sure there's probably a reason we have it where we do. Right. And I actually have that question from a constituent in my email that i got to respond to when we're done. Okay, okay. So this is very pertinent. Um, We get this question a lot. Why do we have our gun season on the rut? Nobody around us does. Mm -hmm. Good question. And it has to do with one tradition, that that is part of it. Um, that our hunters know this time, they plan for this time. But it's also on success, is that we we uh, we're able to offer this opportunity. It's the best time to go deer hunting, and we can manage it correctly. Um, some of the states that don't have uh, their gun seasons on the rut, it, it has to do a lot with the population size of their deer and the number of hunters that uh-huh. they're dealing with. You know, we have. Around a million deer, 300,000, 350,000 deer hunters. Uh-huh. Um, we can afford to do that. But in states like in the, in the north, Michigan, Wisconsin, um, Pennsylvania, where they have 800,000, 900,000 deer hunters and 1.1, 1.3 million deer, yeah. you, you, you can't offer that much opportunity. They could wipe the entire population out pretty quickly. Yeah. So where you put that, that highest risk of harvest is very dependent on that for us we have the population size we don't have a lot of hunters it works really well for us yeah that makes sense that makes a lot of sense if you put gun season right in the middle of peak right you're giving people the best experience in the woods mm-hmm. you know you think that i mean i personally I, I mean i'm a bow hunter i typically already have my buck tag field and right now i'm actually just 
it's depressing almost because <laughs> I'm seeing these bucks running around. I'm seeing all these videos people are posting, and, I, and I'm out of the action. I've actually got an Indiana tag. I'm trying to fill on public land up there. It's tough, but I wish I could go out there and hunt a buck right now so bad. So, I mean, yeah, it seems like people get the best experience deer hunting right now. And also, like you said, uh, or, I mean, we're a top five state in the nation as far as quality of deer goes. Right. So, obviously, something's working. And I would also say that we're also a one-buck state. Yeah. So, some of these other states, you can shoot multiple bucks. Are you sure that I can't shoot two this year, though? <laughs> nope. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, there Are there some ways to shoot two bucks in Kentucky? I know Fort Knox is an option, right? Yeah, you could hunt a, a federal area. Those are the only places you could shoot additional bucks. Okay. And it used to be land between the lakes, but that changed, right? Correct. Yep. Now, it's, you have to use your statewide. And is that just basically the management plan? Mm-hmm. And yep. so, when, when other states, like Tennessee has two bucks, right? I think that's why they went from three to two here recently. Oh, they had three? Wow. And so basically the way I understand it, what happens is when you have a two or I didn't even know a three buck limit was a thing in Tennessee, people aren't as selective. You know, they they get more than one chance at it. So they might shoot younger deer or something like that. And the deer aren't really allowed to grow Mm -hmm. in the way that they can here. One buck makes you be selective. Yep. And, you know, whether it's a spike or the biggest deer you've ever seen in your life, more than likely you're willing to harvest that animal and you're okay with that. Yeah. So, um, you know, hunter choice. And that's a big thing. Well, I'd say the one buck thing, uh, the one buck limit also keeps us from needing a minimum size requirement. Minimum size requirement, um, for sure. Um, One thing that you can really look at when you look at our harvest of our our yearling males, so those one and a half year old bucks, the ones that are the most uh, naive and highly susceptible to harvest, our hunters are recognizing those deer and they're passing it. So if you look at that yearling harvest in the last 30 years, from our tracking, it's just going down and down yeah. and down and down. They're you know practicing quality deer management. Yeah. They're recognizing that and letting those animals pass. Well, you know, if somebody wants to take one of those deer, they still have the option. Correct. And I don't think there's a problem with that at all. You know, I want people to shoot whatever they're happy with. And if if growing big deer is what you're interested in, then you have the option to do that. And if just going out there and taking a deer is something you're interested in, then you have the option to do that as well. So. In my opinion, the way we have it set up is nice because you get the best experience in the woods. We grow big deer because of our one buck and our, I, I didn't even think about the hunter density. That's mm-hmm. what I'll call it. Is that, is that yeah. a term that you yeah. use? Hunter density. Hunter density to the number of deer. So hunters per deer population. And I don't know, I kind of like the way we have it set up. Like I said, I might be biased. So, but I've, I've hunted other states. Like I said, I'm in Indiana right now hunting and I'm not trying to bash Indiana at all, but it seems like things are a little bit better here. Yeah. You know, that's just sure. my opinion. Sure. Hunting, uh. Public land is always tough, though, so. Yeah, no matter where you're at, it's yeah. going to be tough. We're just driving down the interstate, you know. It's like uh, covered 100 miles of interstate in Indiana. I might have seen two roadkill deer. And then between Louisville and Shelbyville, I saw five or six. And I got a call about that here just earlier today. Talked to a fella. He was uh, very concerned um, driving from Louisville to Lexington every day, and he had already seen, like, 10 yeah. deer. Oh, well, it's a high-density area. And that's the thing, you know. we uh, For us, you know, we think – we think about the hunter, but in our shoes, we got to think about everybody. Yeah, you know, we, we answer to the hunters. Yes, that's part of it, but also the motorists and mm-hmm. you know people and landowners all have an equal voice in deer management. That, yeah, well, you know, seeing a few deer on the road is okay, but you're smashing one fairly regularly. That's not a good thing. If I understand this correctly, uh, the insurance companies actually do have some role in management i know of elk because weren't they not involved when we got elk here originally i mean they're both yes players in, in okay. that and they have an opinion yeah. and they have a voice just yeah. like our hunters do yeah and, and that's our job and what we're tasked to do is to take all those different um entities hear their voice and yeah. try to blend that in to try to manage 
manage the population yeah. the best we can. Kyle, you probably know better than anybody. Well, I don't know because you do a lot more than just go get the deer. But you, if you pick up deer, I'll say, yeah, that's kind of <laughs> the dead deer collector. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but if you, uh, I mean, if you're out there and you're seeing that, you probably know where they get hit at. And uh, I would say that it's not just about deer populations; it's probably about people populations as well, right? Absolutely. Number you go to you go to Louisville. I mean, yeah. I mean, just driving around in some of the urban areas of Louisville, you just look at the dead deer on the side of the roads. I mean, you can you can just about go anywhere in Louisville and see a dead deer yeah. anytime during this month. Yeah, I uh, I know what you mean. I mean, and there are, it's ridiculous. Some of the biggest or the most dense populations of deer that I see are in those suburban areas. Right outside Louisville, I'm sure right outside Lexington, there's that deer that's up in northern Kentucky right outside of uh, Independence. It's just an absolute giant. And uh, somebody actually asked me yesterday about hunting in urban areas. You know what? Actually, I got the screenshot on my phone because they gave stats and everything. I'm just going to pull this up real quick and read exactly what they said. All right, here it is. This is a guy named David Fannin. Said, I've been curious about this for the last few years. I was born and raised in Lexington and lived in Louisville for several years. Both have merged governments, city, county, together as one unit. Both have statutes slash laws that prohibit shooting a gun or bow, but have considerable numbers of deer harvested every year by those methods. He said, for instance, in 2017, Jefferson County had 1,318 deer recorded through the telecheck system, 719 with the modern firearm, and uh, 379 archery. He gave the numbers. So he was basically curious how they're being legally harvested. Well, I mean, when it comes to urbanized hunting, um, there's tons of municipalities that are just, I mean, there's so many different organizations there just in Jefferson County alone, uh-huh. and every one of them will have a different ordinance, whether it's no projectiles to be fired, regardless if it's you know, a piece of lead or if yeah. it's an arrow, some of them limit uh, firearms, and then archery equipment is okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to Louisville as a whole, you know, I've kind of wondered that too because I think that the only thing that they limit is <clears throat> it's not a projectile rule, it's a firearm mm-hmm. um, in the greater Louisville area. Um, so, what would that constitute? Because, I mean, Long Run Road is in Louisville, or one side of it is. It's kind of the line. I mean, there's so many deer out there and there's deer hunters. Fern Creek Sportsman's Club, if I'm not mistaken, is in Jefferson County, right? Yeah, and I'm, I'm not, not really sure, sure if it one. applies to the entire county. Okay. Um, I think there's like a metro area yeah, that might be true as well. You got to look at the metro and then look at the county. Like maybe inside the outer loop in Louisville yeah. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, there's some sort of designation there. Yeah, what um, they consider rural and developed areas. I think yeah. it's something along those lines with that. But, but there is a the right to hunt statute. All right, and that's what I was going to point yeah, out. That's what I was kind of curious about. That for our listeners, um, <clears throat> you have the constitutional right to hunt and fish, and so if your city that you live has some sort of city ordinance does, that does not allow the discharge of a firearm and archery equipment, they're taking away your constitutional right. And we've had the, yet to have that challenged, but um, I think that should be challenged in uh, in court, and I think you would win because you do not have the abilities to hunt at that point on your property. So basically the way I understand this, and I'm not a lawyer, obviously. I'm in here doing this podcast. But um, so there can be a, a city or a county ordinance against something, but Kentucky state law, the Kentucky Constitution, says that you have this right. Correct. And if you're prosecuted for something, you're prosecuted by the state, correct? Mm-hmm. So I, obviously, I don't think you could possibly be prosecuted for that. Well, you would be prosecuted by the local government. Okay. So the state doesn't enforce city ordinances. Okay. So the, the ordinance is enforced by the city police department, sheriff's department. Um, so it would not be enforced by Kentucky State Police or Department of Fish and mm-hmm. Wildlife. Okay. And, and so that they would be prosecuted under their local court system. Okay. Um, and you know, my argument would still be, uh, that's my constitutional right to hunt yeah. on my property at, yeah. at a minimum landowners who have land, um, then they're taking away your abilities. Is, 
against the Constitution of Kentucky. When I tell people when they ask me if they want to, you know, somebody says, oh, I want to bow hunt in this neighborhood, say it's off Zorn Avenue or something like that in Louisville. Um, or up there in Independence, Kentucky, I'm not sure why nobody's getting after that 200-something-inch bug. I, I, I guess people, I mean, he's a giant. <laughs> yes, he is. But, um, and you just see pictures of him in people's front yards. He's bedding up next to the sidewalk. It, may, it might be just so unsporting to take him. That, I think that's a, that might be an issue with some of the sportsmen who, who, do, who don't want to engage in that type of activity, but there's plenty of landowners that want yeah. to. Well, up there, that deer's kind of, I think he has his own Facebook page. But, <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, you couldn't hardly have I'm not seeing this book yet. Terrible. You got a picture of him? He's a giant. I saw a picture of him today bedded up in somebody's front yeah, yard. I got, I got the same picture today. I was like, I know where I'm hunting in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he, my buddy sent me. I was like, oh, go ahead, man, because I don't think that's going to work out while, too well. While you're pulling that up, what I tell people when they ask me about hunting in city limits with a bow, I tell them that uh, if you own the property or you have permission on the property, that you can bow on it. You just Permission to retrieve is kind of tough. Yeah, and that's the hard part. Yeah, if he runs off on someone else's property, that's... You got to get permission. Depending on what those people are like, you may not retrieve that. But I, what I was around about getting to was that the importance of maybe hunting deer in some of those urban areas, because that's what, like where you said, that's where a lot of the motor vehicle accidents happen. That's where some of the biggest densities of deer are, and obviously that's where some of the nicest bucks are too. So uh, if bow hunters would be more willing to get out there on those small tracks and kind of the outer uh, city limits of you know any metropolitan area, I would say Louisville, Lexington. Uh, the independence, some of the Bowling Green area. I'm not sure what all of our bigger cities are like that, but there's some good deer hunting to be had. I see you on your phone over there. You got that buck pulled up. Yeah. How big is he? He's huge. <laughs> no. I'd love to put a tape on that critter. No, I mean, maybe someday I'll get the chance. Uh, hopefully Kyle doesn't go pick him up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll be waiting for that call. And we'll see what happens. I mean, I do think he's, and a lot of people have seen this picture, so it's a picture I feel like I can actually talk about. And I've actually, after we had another podcast before, I put that picture up on the Kentucky Field page. Um, he's a big typical, got some kickers. I think he's a mainframe 10. Yeah. With uh, maybe 10-inch G4s or something like They're that. They're big, yeah, 10 you think that's a 200-incher? Yeah, he's definitely gross 200. Oh, that's nuts. Kickers at the base <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, kind of beautiful stuff base. Beautiful specimen. One of my favorite, like, the, you know, I'm not sure who I had on. I think it was probably Rachel. And I talked about what kind of deer I'd like to take. Like, if you go up to the Slato Center and you see the Fort Campbell buck, I mean, it's amazing, right? Mm-hmm. And you see the, what's the name of the world re- or the eight-pointer that we have? It's like a record eight-pointer. Super beautiful, typical. We have anyway. We have a record book, typical buck up there, super clean looking, and then we got the Fort Campbell buck with stickers and stuff going everywhere. I'd say give me that uh, that Fort Campbell buck. I want that one. I want the yeah. ugly one. Yeah, it's it's cool. It definitely has an appeal to that. Not just a typical eight or ten, something that yeah. just sticks out and different. Yeah, you all can have them. <laughs> you don't like the Fort Campbell buck? I'm not going to sit here and act like right. I'm. Uh, uh, you know, I'm going to pick one or the other. I mean, to me, it doesn't really matter. If something walks in front of me, it's nice. I'm thinking I'm a traditional guy. Uh, see, I don't like the the non-typicals with the droopy antlers and yeah. like the, the just doesn't look like a deer. But the Fort Campbell buck and like that one is technically a non-typical. They've got a typical frame with right. junk coming off of it. And that's what I really like. But yet to see one of those in the woods. So, And I'm tagged out right now, so even if I did. <laughs> no, you're that's when you want to see it gosh take pictures <laughs> all right so uh let me run through some of these questions i should st- i should take a camera with me and hunt with a camera this yeah. year i'm gonna smoke some does though i've got I've, i manage about a thousand acres um for deer deer populations and i think that puts me at needing to take about 15 or 20 does this year sounds like you need help i do need help <laughs> um, i had chad come out and take two of them for me because every two does i can get other people to take saves me 15 bucks from this point on i've got one doe tag left on my statewide um, I've taken two dozen a buck so far, and then I'm going to be buying extra doe permits probably every day I go hunting because I plan on knocking two down at a time. 
Nice. I already went to BNN in uh, Shelby County and double checked with them. They said to bring them up. Their hunters for the hungry quota didn't get met last year. They doubt it'll get met this year because they have a really high quota. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to plan on taking the ones I. I'm not going to process myself up there and dropping them off. So yeah, that's a great plug for them. All the stuff that they've got going on. Yeah, well, it's a good. Well, of course, Roger came in and did mm-hmm. a podcast not long ago. But uh, I mean, it allows people to manage their properties better, having something to do with all those deer. Yep. You know what I mean? Because if I didn't have somewhere I could take a deer that I knew it would go to use, if I didn't have space for it, I probably wouldn't shoot it. Mm-hmm. But that allows me to go out there and take a few more does every year. So it's good, and people want deer meat. You just got to find them. Yeah. Yep. I have a lot of friends that don't hunt and they're looking for that type of thing. Um, deer meat? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, they won't go out and hunt, but they want to eat it. Well, it's, I mean, it's good stuff. My brother. Well, it, uh, I think it, it leads to that. You get them hooked and you get them <clears> to liking it, then yeah. they're going to be interested in it. You just play hard on them one And year. that's exactly how I got it. I got a specific <laughs> friend that I got him into hunting and, and I made him some deer stew and he said, oh, that's good. And his, him and his wife both came over and ate it. And now it's three years later after duck hunting, got him into duck hunting and uh, he's... Uh, got an opportunity not this week but next weekend and go do some deer hunting and he's really? he's uh gonna do it that's good i'm gonna try to get some new people out there i really want my girlfriend to try it she's gonna go with me this year but i don't think she's gonna i don't she doesn't have her orange card and i haven't applied for an exemption for her so she's probably not pulling the trigger this year but next year i'll get her out there doing that yeah. she uh she'll be good but i'll take my brother out there he's kind of a little muscle head you know eating the protein powder and stuff like that <laughs> so he lo- he loves some deer meat because he just goes through it <laughs> and it's really good lean meat yeah, yeah it really is so i'll get him out there and he'll get one uh let's see i had some questions here like maybe kyle you should answer this so people don't just think that you're a, a deer picker ever because obviously <laughs> you're, you're a damn biologist yeah. <laughs> so uh i feel like i've discredited your job a little bit by no gabe does a fine job at explaining everything so well here's a question i had and this is one that just hit me out of curiosity why does a buck's neck swell up you know what i mean what what is actually swelling up why does it happen well that's testosterone there I mean, yeah it's just a simple I'm trying to find better better words here but uh, it's just a simple way for the the buck to be fit and to ensure that he's going to win that fight for that doe so basically i just because basically i was thinking well it's not like they're adding uh tissue there it doesn't seem like it because when i cape a buck or something like that you know it seems like muscle it's not like they're adding fatty tissue or anything like that so it, it seemed like it was the muscle swelling up to me right yeah i didn't know if it was because they were uh, you know how sometimes if you overuse a muscle, it'll get swollen. And I thought maybe the rubbing and the fighting and stuff like that was causing it to swell up, but it's hormonal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, mean, and I think you probably have a little bit of both. Oh, I mean, they got to have that testosterone and, and muscle swell to be able to do those things, to fight, to fend off, to uh, to compete for females. They just look impressive that way, too. Yeah, yeah but they, they swell. Bad. I mean, they, they swell prior to rubbing. So, yeah. I mean, so it's, there, it's there. It's a mechanism that's, that's put in place um, to, to, to help defend what they want and uh i mean obviously if you ever see a buck approach a, a doe or another buck he'll get bristled up you know mm-hmm. hair will stand up he'll make himself look about 50 pounds heavier <laughs> it cracks me up really good little tongue licking and yeah. just kind of sideways stepping and i'm gonna look as big and as mean as oh, i can i love it though yeah. oh it's when it i see that me up. that lets me know it's time let's see what do i have here a bunch of 
stuff. So I think most people are up to date on what's new this year, right? Oh, I hope so. But if not, we can go over it again. It's, it's pretty, <laughs> it's, it's pretty lengthy. It's a lot. It's it's lengthy, but it's it's simple well, in concept. It's just something that's changed, and and once it gets through a year or so, yeah, people will say, oh, say this is so much easier. This isn't this isn't going to be like the hip surveys when that was new. Conservation officers were writing warnings right. the first year. That's not going to happen. They're going to no. be giving out the tickets yep. for this stuff. So you better know your stuff. And the good thing about it. it is most of it we're not being more restrictive. We're allowing yeah. more than mm-hmm. what we traditionally have. So the only thing, the only, the only thing that is more restrictive, the way I understand it, is a no dose with a firearm in Zone Four. Well, we've always been no dose with a firearm. Oh, okay, okay. Um, mm-hmm. We've just limited the number of does you can take. To so one. if you're a Zone Four hunter, you've only been able to harvest a doe with a with a gun the last three days of the late muzzleloader. So that's still in place. Um, however, you can only harvest one antlerless deer in the entire zone. Yeah. So whether that's taken during that muzzleloader season or youth season or an archery crossbow, you only get one in zone four. And traditionally, you could have harvested four yeah. with, with archery equipment. Well, of course, trying to bring that population up. Like, like you've said before, does are the most important um growth aspect of yeah, the they're, population. they're the most important part of growing a population because a doe can have multiple fawns and a buck can service is that the right word that's a <laughs> perfect word all right a buck can service multiple does <laughs> so it takes one buck to perhaps produce 10 to 15 fawns mm-hmm. whereas it takes four or five does the analogy that i like to use is pretty simple if you have 10 bucks in a population and one doe and that one doe is going to get bred. Well, you know your population is going to probably increase by two. Yeah. If it's the vice versa, we've got ten does and one buck. Most likely, he's going to breed most of those does or yeah. quite a few of them. Your population will increase by, 20. you know, twenty potentially twenty twenty yeah. animals. So does are much more important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's part of the reason that I'm concentrating on taking out those does this year is because those farms are overpopulated so the does are the most important uh part of getting a population down as well or i, I don't really know if i'll be able to bring the population down but i just got to do something no you got to control i mean yeah. that's you can only do yeah. what you can on the property you got um so you work at it the best you can say this is a it's all my fault because i've i've hunted this one particular farm for 10 years now and i up until last year hadn't taken a doe off of it mm. and i went from seeing four or five does a hunt the other night, I saw 26 does in the field. I know. It's, it's You're not about good. to have some fun this week. It's not good. It's not. I'm going to need to go buy any box of shells, load up. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I got somewhere to take those deer, and uh, I plan on getting as many other people out there to hunt as I can. So maybe I can introduce some new people to to hunting and give them a pretty good experience. Oh, new new people. Okay. Yeah, well, new people or experienced people. Look at him raising his hand. He's killed a deer. Yeah. yeah. Um, I got my buck tag filled as well. So. Well, that's good because I like people to have their buck tags filled. That means if I take them out there, I don't got to worry about anything. Yeah. They're, Typically, they're, I'm, a, I'm a, I like to stick with the does, but yeah. I was lucky this year. So Man, you mainly bow hunt then, I guess. Mm-hmm. You bow hunt around here? Uh, Yeah. You know, and say specifics. <laughs> yeah, so within the state, it's in it's in Franklin County. Okay, yeah, Franklin County's got some good deer hunting, man. Mm-hmm. I, I do deer hunt in Franklin County as well, and I mean, I've deer hunted in Madison County, Franklin County, Shelby County, uh, quite a few areas in the bluegrass region, and uh, Franklin County, Shelby County are two of my favorite areas. This Jeff- is my first year in Franklin County. Usually, I hunt public land, and uh, I've got lucky enough to get some access to yeah. private property this hey, year. Public land is not bad though. No, you know it's I mean? not. If you just go spend a little time up there, and you, and I mean, there's no, there's no baiting, and you can go up there and look at some yeah. trails and, and hunt the trails, and it's not, it's not that bad. One thing I really like about public is how big tracks are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like right now, Brooks is down at LBL trying to feel. He's he's got a really good 
couple sets of private land here and him and his dad take a trip to lbl every year just kind of like a family deal deal and uh yesterday his dad shot a pretty nice eight pointer nice and brooks shot a coyote down there and i guess brooks still has his tag so he's going to keep on hunting through the weekend and uh, there's no gun hunting at lbl right is right. there well there's a, there's a drawn quota but that's not this weekend no so he can go out there and not have to wear orange on this weekend because he's on a wma that doesn't allow gun hunting and he can still get that full bow hunting experience during peak rut even though gun season's going on correct so that's kind yep. of a cool benefit of doing something like that yep and that would apply to our hunters that that have uh, public land around <coughs> it's not open to gun, gun season yeah. um, you can go out there bow hunt not wear your orange it still might be a good idea i think i've seen it recommended but it's not required right so you're not you're not going to get a ticket yeah for no, it. if i'm in the field during ralph season which usually i'm not yeah um i'm gonna have orange on yeah. specifically if i'm on public land and when i went to uh oh yeah anytime i'm in the field <laughs> anytime i'm in the field with I, I put a little orange vest on my dog during <laughs> during rifle season not that i think you know accident's going to happen but it's better safe yep, better to be absolutely. safe and uh like i said i went up there to hunt indiana recently and there was this is the most recent public land hunting experience I have. That's why I'm going to talk about it. But we were on a 6,000 acre WMA, I believe. And this time of year, if there aren't other hunters around, like during the week or something, my technique is to uh, almost run and gun deer hunt. You can take the rattle antlers and the grunt call out there. You can find a spot, you know, maybe you find some fresh scrapes or a funnel on the map. Sit there and do a rattle set and grind a little bit and maybe wait about an hour, see if something shows up, and then move 400, 500 yards down further, find yourself another pinch point or another scrape line, and just kind of jump around based on your wind to those different scrape scrape lines and pinch yeah, points. I've never uh, had that type or tried that type of strategy to run a gun, but it sounds that sounds pretty interesting. It's fun messing with them on the ground, yeah, especially yeah. with a bow. It puts yeah. a whole other element Specifically, the last couple of weeks when you're rattling. Oh, yeah. It's been it, really nice. Late October through gun season is when I would really feel comfortable doing that. I'm going to go back up there on Monday and Tuesday and try it again. But I went with a buddy, and we had one and a half days to hunt, and he, he left with a pretty nice deer doing that that method so nice. and also if you haven't been on the property before you get to cover the ground and see what you're working with because you're going in blind and just trying to hang a set and hunt when you only got a day and a half it's kind of tough mm -hmm. but now that i've been up there and i've covered quite a bit of ground when i go back this monday i'm kind of going to know where i'm headed you know waste a little bit less time hunting dead areas yeah i mean i know for me just i mean hunting hunting public land and half the battle is knowing the area once you yeah. kind of figure that out you can it can become a lot easier. I don't know how those guys with hunting public do it. Have you watched their videos at all? No. My gosh, they're good. Yeah, they're get, good. They know what to look for. They know what places <laughs> to be. I mean, that's they're they're professionals. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're very very good. The way they scout, you can learn a lot from. Uh, I guess give them a shout out here from yeah. watching stuff like that, and they do it right. It seems like too. I, I don't know if you've watched the most recent one they put out with Ted shooting that nice mature. I mean, he shoots a nice mature deer. I think it's Missouri. No, I haven't seen anything recent. You should check it out. But anyway, they know what they're doing. They do a good job. And if you are interested in hunting public land, kind of watching how people that really know what they're doing do it can, can help you out quite a bit. All right, I'm going to look at some uh, other questions I have here, and then I'm going to jump on social media. And well, this might be a quick one. But um, to pee or not to pee, I don't know. That's just something I wrote. Let her rip. Yeah, that's what exactly how I, <laughs> especially, you let her go. Especially this time of year. <laughs> yeah, I, mean? I can tell you a story. I used to uh, work with the Smoky Mountain National Park, and uh, <clears throat> one of my co-workers uh so we had uh campsites that were on the at uh appalachian trail um that were kind of off the beaten path that that uh uh traditional hikers or, or through hikers wouldn't wouldn't use because they didn't know they're there and there was a tree that we he called the pea tree and um i thought it was jokingly with me when he said you know you can go pee on this tree and i kid you not the deer will come up and drink the pea 
<clears throat> so I know it's pretty weird. Don't eat that deer. Yeah, no, <laughs> so so you know, I was like, all right, whatever, I'm gonna try this and see. And so I peed on the tree and I was sitting there in my tent and I heard something walking and a doe with two fawns came up and licked exactly where I peed. That's really weird. What did you eat before that? Protein. I was eating protein at the I don't know if I and, expect uh, them to come to noodles. <laughs> but it was I mean, within a pretty short time frame they came. I was I was just kinda weird. So that's, really that's probably weird. not always going to happen, but that is a national park. There's no hunting, so yeah, uh, that's strange. I would say I wouldn't suggest doing it like uh, the first weekend of September when you got bucks pattern and they aren't yeah. so stupid. But uh, this time of year, when they, you know, there's rutting activity going on, I hear a lot of people say they pee in the scrapes and it brings them in. And I 100% believe that that works. So never done it, but I, it's so, so many people tell me it works. Scott Croom included said he hangs cameras over the scrapes and if he pees in one, it's it's hot. I don't know. You kind of shake your head. No, I just it. think it's funny. I mean, whatever yeah. works for you. I mean, there's no evidence one way or the well, other. But I guess it's, it's, it, it depends on what you have as a, as a weapon. If I got a bow in my hand, there's no way. If I have my rifle, I'm not really concerned no, about no, that. No, if I, when I have my rifle, it's like it's a game out there. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a bow hunting is really serious, and I hope nobody takes this the wrong way because a lot of people who just gone hunting, you know, that's that's when it's serious yeah. for them. But when I have my rifle in my hands, I mean, I'm not quite as worried about all the specifics. I won't wear camo. I won't. You know, it's just more fun. But also, when I have my rifle in my hand, I'm I'm doe hunting, so the pressure is kind of off. I'm not really worried about spoiling an opportunity at something once in a lifetime while I'm out there. Um, let's see, go over updates was on my list. We, you guys can do that if you want to, if we can run through it pretty quick, most people can look it up online if they need to. Um, we've done a podcast before about the changes. So if somebody doesn't know those and they want to know them, they can look them up pretty easy. Yeah. I think look them up. The biggest takeaways you get 40 or on your statewide instead of two. Yeah. And, I mean, and that you can only kill one buck and one doe in zone four. You can't, correct. it's not, it's not two deer. It's one buck. And one doe. And, mm -hmm. and that doe can't be taken with a modern firearm. But if you're bow hunting during firearm season, you can still take it then with right. a bow. Okay? Right. And, and also for our zones three and zone four hunters, you get a 16-day modern gun season mm -hmm. instead of 10. So yep. for the folks getting ready to hit the field when this airs or, or in the field at the time, um, six more days. This is something I've always kind of wanted to talk about on the podcast. I'm not sure how it'll actually go. But in your all's opinions, have smartphones or trail cameras changed hunting more? You know I think mean? trail cameras. Trail cameras. You don't think smartphones? You got no. you got maps. You got constant weather updates. You as far as keeping people on the boundaries and just kind of figuring out the lay of the land, I think that's uh, as far as I mean smartphones. That's the plus there. But trail cameras, knowing what's out there, taking a lot of the work, the guesswork out of uh, finding a deer that you want. Um, I think that's definitely changed the name of the game. Even when you think about social media and cell phones, because you got to think. I don't, I don't know if, like you said, people are passing younger bucks more, right? Mm -hmm. Do you think that comes from pressure from social media or from trail cameras? People I think know that's it. just general QDM. Yeah, I just yeah. think it's just general acceptance and uh, our evolution as hunters and mm -hmm. the opportunity that we've got in the state and in the country. That, you know, you think 10, 15 years ago, you know, our, our parents, they didn't have deer or, you know, the, the deer wasn't a common thing yeah. now. So you're a little more selective yeah, uh, that's as an overall whole. Mm -hmm. um, that's true. I guess the, it wasn't that long ago when it was rare to see a deer while yeah. you're hunting, and now it's rare to see one where it's rare not to see one while you're driving to go on it. We were stalking deer in 1999. Yeah. It's not that long ago. No, not at all. Less than 20 years. And I mean, uh, just 20 years prior to that, there was almost no deer. Mm -hmm. So what was the number you said? It was down to like the thousands. A thousand, couple thousand. A couple thousand uh, deer. Uh, 
Ballard WMA had some deer like, in the LBL. Like, LBL. Lake Cumberland is Lake where Cumberland. I think so. Yeah, for the few places. And, yeah. That's where I heard about them trapping them. And I've told that story before about one of the deer biologists, so would have been somebody that held one of your all's positions, trapping that deer on Cumberland, on Lake Cumberland tennis court. Yeah. And uh, put ta- putting the tag in its ear. They released it, relocated it somewhere else in the state. And then like six years later, he shot it and it grossed 202. The, the same, the that same, is a really cool. Yeah, same guy who tackled it to the ground and put the tag in its ear. Uh, shot it six years later, and it was a two hundred inch deer somewhere else in the state. So I thought that was pretty awesome. But it, do, you, do you disagree with me when I say that smartphones and trail cameras have done more for hunting than anything I else? Disagree, I think I think it's changed the game. That's yeah. for sure. Like I mean, probably more than uh, the jump in in. Um, compound bows we've had because compound bows have changed a lot since the mm-hmm. old bear whitetail too that yeah. I was slinging arrows with like when I first started but I don't think it's changed in, as much as trail cameras and cell phones have changed you know I, I think about cameras a lot and um, everybody has their own opinion of them what they like and what they don't like to me it almost takes away the fun trail personally trail cameras, trail cameras do um, I guess it depends on how you're running them and what you're, you're, you're using them for I hear a lot from folks well there's nothing big on camera I'm not going Mm. Well, man, that's that's very unfortunate. Mm. Like, just because they've not taken a picture of a deer doesn't mean that those deer aren't out there. And every one of us who who hunt and have run cameras, some realize there are deer that just elude the camera and uh-huh. deer that show up. But I hear it time and time again where there's nothing big on camera. I'm not going. That's unfortunate. Well, that kind of has to do with your mentality too. Right. And I'll be honest with you, if you're a hardcore bow hunter, you're going. Oh yeah. You mm. know what I mean. So that's that's kind of a more casual person thing to say, in my opinion. More casual, more of a casual hunter thing to say. But we're not the norm. I mean, yeah. the casual hunter is the norm, is okay. the majority in the state. That's so when you true. think about the people who are diehard, we're we're few and far between. Yeah. The people I, my, my buddies that deer hunt and like the, the people I talk to about deer hunting are all the people that are out there. You know, it's, they're, they're running their cameras in July. Right. They're out there on the first weekend of September and that's what they look forward to. It's almost like some people season starts in September and some people season starts in mm-hmm. uh, whenever muzzleloader firearm season comes in. And that's fine because, you know, it's, it's, it is what you make it. But I guess my perspective might be a little bit skewed is what I'm saying because the people I talk to are those people. And that's where I have to remind myself as coordinator is not everybody that deer hunts is as passionate and consumed with it as what we are. Mm-hmm. And so for us to make sure we, we focus and think about the, you know, the, the guy and gal who hunts on opening day and that's it. Yeah. I mean, they are just as much of a constituent as, you know, my buddy who hunts every dang day of the season that he can. And they're just as important in how we think of how we manage the species. Like So Jameson right now, he just headed out about an hour ago. He's heading down to Todd County. Uh, to go deer hunting and his dad is is one of the people we're talking about that gets out there on opening day and might get out there two or three times during the whole season and he does it more as a, for tradition reasons you know mm-hmm. he just enjoys being out there and they'll hunt together every opening day every morning they get in the blind together and, and have that experience so i mean those people are buying a license just like everybody else is absolutely and uh, honestly if that's the majority of what gun hunters are and gun hunters make up the majority of the harvest and those people contribute to the management as much as anybody else does mm-hmm. too. So, yeah, I guess you kind of got to think about that because I feel like the deer hunters do kind of group up in packs of diehards, you know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a well, lot- you associate with people that you have a lot of things in common with. Yeah. And so if you're a diehard deer hunter, most, a lot of the times your friends are going to be diehard, diehard deer hunters too. Yeah. 
So. I would drive people away if they weren't diehard deer hunters. And, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was like uh, June thirtieth, and I was like, what, "What do you think about this buck? <laughs> you think it'll be, be anything?" And talking about all that stuff, I'd probably push people away that think I was crazy. But luckily, I group myself with people who don't think I'm crazy. No, you know, we're that, all crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's a matter of what we're crazy about. You know, yeah. that's a that's a, relates to some advice my dad gave me when I was a little kid about women. <laughs> it's probably yeah. yeah he said he said chase they're all crazy you just got to find the kind of crazy you can deal with mm-hmm. but i'd say that that applies to all people and not oh, just women good. so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i hope i don't get myself in trouble yeah, we're, in trouble. we're all in trouble now yeah. no 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 well, it could be a lot worse we could get ourselves in worse trouble oh well i'll tell you what i'm gonna do i'm gonna open up my little social media thing here and i had some people uh give some questions and we'll see how oh. this goes i may or may not ask all of them it just kind of depends on Oh, here's the the very first question. Oh, cancel out of that. The very first question, which is actually the most recent one, asked. Oh, come on, Wi-Fi. I said, are we ever going to get two buck tags in Kentucky per year? I as long as I'm sitting in coordinator, uh, yeah. I would hope not. Yeah, it, but, you know, it's it's fully ingrained in our folks, and we've talked a little bit about this already. That you know, it's it's the reason why we have the quality that we do, um, hunter selection. Um, and we're not there biologically. We don't have the need to harvest additional bucks. We have the need to harvest additional does in most yeah. of the state. Yeah, so. and I don't. I, I would be disappointed uh, if we did go to two buck tags personally yeah. because I think that the one buck thing is kind of fun. And obviously, right now, I wish I was out there and could hunt another buck. But that's just I'm happy with what I what I, what I mm-hmm. took, and that's part of uh, uh, quality deer management. Is that people are going to be more selective, and if you look at the states that have the, I mean, we, we're one of the best states there is, and that's because we have one buck. Mm-hmm. Things would go downhill pretty quick, in my opinion, if we did more than that, especially like three. I can't believe that's kind of crazy. Um, blah, blah, blah. Let's see. Are you allowed to take more than one deer in one day? Yes. Yeah, it's pretty. You can shoot yeah. as many as you have tags for, right? Your zone limit. Yep. Are there limits on public land? I don't think. Yes. I don't. It used to be a deer a day. That You you know that more than I would. Um, we we will <laughs> refer to the regulation and the hunting guide. Yeah. I, I'm pretty, I haven't seen anything about that, but I thought that at one point there might have been regs that said. Well, can, I, I know for a fact that I have killed two deer in one day on a WMA. So, yeah. well, you're doing a buck and a doe. So, <laughs> that was a quota hunt. So quota need, hunts are different. Okay. So, so quota hunt, you're, you're allowed those, but we'll have to. We'll refer to the hunting guide or website or call us, and we will look up the regulations. Yeah, WMAs have kind of specific regs to the WMA, so, right? And obviously, you're not the WMA land manager. That's a specific person on each WMA, so that uh, that's something you might just want to look up. But as far as on private land, so yeah. yeah, you can shoot however many you got tags for. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Scott says he's never tried grunting or rattling. What's your thoughts on it? Give it a try. Absolutely. Right that now. Is, yeah. This very is, fun. This is the time of year, and I don't think you can screw anything up this time of year either. You know what I mean? I don't think you can go out there and bang the horns together and, and put yourself in a bad position because you did it. Well, you're going to scare away a little buck maybe. I'm not sure. No, I don't. I mean, I, the buck I harvested there a couple weeks ago with my bow, I mean, I was sitting there, I hadn't seen him much all day, and I, I'm going to rattle. It's roughly about 7 o'clock, so I had about 25 minutes left to go, mm-hmm. and she didn't like I rattled, and I looked over my left shoulder, and there was a little – Four point just hanging out, yeah, thirty yeah, yards from me. Curious man. And then uh, I saw something run across the kind of. Since I saw him, I saw something above me run across the hill. And it sounded more heavy, so I hit my rattle or rattled my antlers a little, just a little bit more, kind of light, lightly dinking around like a mm-hmm. couple of small like yearlings or something. Yeah. And uh, uh, he stopped. I could hear him up there pawing, and I rattled a little bit more aggressive. And then he started. He just changed his course and started walking right to me. And it was, I mean, it's just fun to be able to rattle them in. Oh, I love it. 
and it's it's, it's the adrenaline starts pumping, and if you've never done it, you got to try it. So here's one I got for you that I've I've had the conundrum lately: to rattle or not to rattle when the field's full of does. I so, do it. You know, I, I know I've, I've had mixed results where you clear the field sometimes with the with that because they're looking. They definitely can't see what the fight is. You're on the edge of the tree line there. They're looking. I've had them run and spook. Sometimes I've not. So I've never really got a good feel for rattling when the field is full of does already or young bucks. I'm not. I think uh, as long as they aren't, they can't see you doing the rattling physically in the deer stand. I think if you had your back turned to them and so I, I would do it. I've rattled those in before. Yeah. I know. I just I've I've had mixed results mm-hmm. with with and I've lately been a little more hesitant to rattle when the field's full of does. Do you, but, you know, just uh, I mean, you got. Uh, your person target is the buck's target is out there during you know that time of the year so right i don't know if, point. if i had a field full of does i might not feel as obligated to rattle too though because mm-hmm. you already got what they're looking for yeah the um let's see when i rattle also what i do is i basically just try to use my imagination and try to see two deer fighting you know it's not like i have a particular set anything i do i'm just like seeing these deer mix it up in my head and sometimes i go longer sometimes i go shorter and same here you know in theory you're on the ground crashing and banging and blowing over trees and making yeah. leaves move but most of the time you're doing that and you're in the stand yeah. and so you don't get that full effect but i have done that before i have too yeah i like being on the ground and stomping my feet around and rolling around like i'm yeah, hurry up down down the ladder up the ladder but yeah so um let's see actually related to that do you think deer know how big they are because a four pointer can't see his rack on top of his head. Oh, I think they they know oh, they know exactly how yeah. big they are. You they think know. that? Do you think they know? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Why? Why do you say that? Uh, I guess I will compare it to an elk. Okay. Um, and in our workings with elk, um, especially on males, um, when we catch them, we are usually taking the antlers off right quick because it's a risk to us and a risk to them. Yeah. And many times, once we've removed the antlers and waking them back up or taking them out away from their strengths, they fight. But they fight about the distance away from you that their antlers would normally be. Okay. So, you know, a spike, he's got 20, 20, 24 inch spikes. He's standing that far away from you, moving his head back and forth, trying to fight you for a day. And then the next day he realizes those antlers are gone. Now I'm attacking like a a bull in a china shop and just running you over. Okay. So, I mean, I'm very confident they know how long they are, how to move that head to yeah. be able to get the full use of the length. And the, yeah, well, they have, I guess that makes sense. They're walking through the woods. I don't know if you ever tried to walk through the woods with a set of antlers on your head, but you probably figure out pretty quick what you can fit through and what you can't and just yeah. develop a sense of what this thing is. But when you were talking about rattling a four-pointer in, or I was saying, I wonder if that four-pointer even realizes he's a, he's a little guy, but I'm sure he does. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, you put something wide on your shoulders and you walk through the room. You yeah. you kind of learn pretty quick what you can and can't do on your perception of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, counties with the highest number of deer taken. That's uh, I have that right here. Oh, perfect. So, um, like a good deer biologist, he comes prepared with notes and data as as I am coming full of talking. That's good though. We got to do both on a podcast. <laughs> so, uh, top ten as of this morning. Um, Hardin County. I don't know if I need to spat out the numbers, but I can. Um, maybe six, just give the top, the top, top and the five. bottom. No, okay, no, maybe. top and bottom. Okay. Okay. Um, Hardin County is uh, number one, six hundred fifty-four taken deer today. Muhlenberg is uh, number ten at four hundred seventeen. What are the counties in between? Uh, Crittenden, Pendleton in order. Crittenden, Pendleton, Shelby, Pulaski, which is his own three now. Hopkins, Christian, Breckenridge, Owen, and then Muhlenberg. And now that. Might be because you said Pulaski's is on three, so that's a little bit misleading because that's total number of deer per county. Mm-hmm. Pulaski's a big county, yeah, right. So it's it's not necessarily deer taken per square mile or anything like that, but 
Uh, th- that's why Zone 3 can sneak up in there is because it's so big. It is big, but Pulaski County always makes it that top 15 or so, it seems yeah. like. I always and a lot of that is going to change. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow, you know, it's about to get upended. <laughs> All right. Let me see what else I have here. Best way to be successful hunting from J- December to January. So post it. Food source. Yeah, they're looking to fatten up. And a lot of bucks, this is my opinion, you guys are the experts. Now, after the rut, bucks are kind of drained. They're kind mm-hmm. of worn out. They might not eat much. They're running themselves to death. So they probably really need some nutrients. So probably cornfields and mass yeah, crops. I mean, you think about a buck he's running uh which they're still probably running um some in december anyways because depending on on the does that are may come back into estrus or whatever but uh and they run a lot and then they'll lose quite a bit of weight by january and they need to get some food yeah in their belly to stop back up i mean a lot of deer will actually run themselves to death mm-hmm. yeah yeah to me the late season <clears throat> is more about the hunter than it is the animal you got to be willing to be able to go out there have the right clothes and conditions to be able to sit through um, your effort so uh, just as much on the deer's behavior but also your behavior on being prepared for the elements yeah because it's cold <laughs> yeah and then with, if you're an archer you know you can't strap on all those clothes and then try to draw your bow and, and so you got to think about all those things i will say that uh one thing that's different at that time of year is where the deer will bed at because you're going to want like in the heat of the summer they're probably bedding on north north facing slopes where it's a little bit cooler sunsets a little bit earlier but in the winter when they're trying to when, you know, when it's freezing out south facing slopes are going to get the most sunlight and they'll actually be a few degrees warmer so if you're looking for where the deer are maybe look at south facing slopes more in the winter than you would other times um this person asked does the weather affect the rut mm. oh, I, that, you know kind of my, yeah there, you could go either way on that i think and and you know, deer is going to do what a deer is going to do regardless. I mean, there could be some instances if it's if it's warmer, they might slow down a little bit maybe. I, but I've just seen too many things and been in the field too much to see the deer's activity. And it just seems to me like they're going to do what they're going to do. Yeah. I mean, if they're, if they're looking for that doe and, and you know, during the rut, that's what they're going to do regardless. I do think that there are probably better weather conditions. It's like, oh, man, we're going to see some deer today because it's perfect. But I don't think the, the deer activity is always going to be higher during. I think you could have 50 mile an hour winds and any weather in the world, and it's probably mm-hmm. going to still be some deer activity going on. Right, they're just going to be <laughs> nocturnal a little more yeah. in, the, in the daylight. I mean, it's their a wild animal biologically is driven to breed. That's kind of what they exist for. You know what I mean? In a way, I mean they they exist to to keep on working that population and to keep breeding and things like that. So I think the weather really, like Gabe was saying earlier, I mean it really influences. Uh, the person there so i mean if it's hot most people are not going to go out and hunt during the rut but the cold weather hopefully tomorrow will be really nice and um, see some good activity this person asked and let's just use this question to jump off into something else what type of area should i be in this time of year so if you guys just want to give just a general tips for hunting over the next two or three weeks while the rut's going on what to maybe what kind of situation to put yourself in i don't know about gay but for i feel like it's my personal preference i mean i mean for me you know I would like to, I mean, during this time of the year, I want to see, I want to see open space. I mean, I want to see, that's for me. Now, I don't know about, about Gabe. No, my recommendation is to get out of the house. Yeah. Other than that, <laughs> you just got to be outside. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, you know, during the rut, deer are moving in places you never see deer. They're moving 24-7. You hear, you hear people shooting big bucks in the middle of the day right now. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's a crazy time. So, to me, it's being there. And, you know, like Kyle said, to be able to see, you know, having more distance to be able to view with a rifle, you, your coverage area is bigger. Yeah. Um, but, 
you know, you hear about food and you hear about pinch points and all that stuff. That's all great and travel corridors, but you know, ultimately you got to be out there yeah. in places where deer are going to move. Yeah, just, not not just in the morning. I mean, like like Gabe said, I mean midday. Pick a day and go out there all day long. Yeah. Oh, a lot of deer get shot in the middle of the day. Yeah. The uh, as far as that goes, I would say that there's yeah you definitely got to be out there. The more time you spend out there, the better your chances are of having something cruise by at the same exact time, being able to see better. Maybe, you know, if you can shoot 200 yards with your rifle, you feel comfortable, get out there where you can see 200 yards with your rifle. Otherwise, you're cutting your what you're going to see in half a little bit. But I do think that there's something to hunting uh, travel corridors, you know, uh, pinch points or creeks. I think that creeks are a lot of times used as uh, like it's probably a barrier. The deer probably get to it and they use it and they, they move around the outskirts of the creek. I kind of think of deer sometimes like water. So they're going to take the easiest path. Yeah. And a lot of times those are the easiest yeah. paths. And that definitely probably up, up your success. Um, but during the rut, I mean, deer, they're those bucks are going to be chasing those, chasing the does. And they're just going to go yeah. sometimes. And it might not be the easiest route. I've seen some crazy stuff. You know, you know I, mean? I was thinking about, you're talking about creeks. I've got two places I hunt on the river. And they've been worthless for the last week. And they're going to continue to be worthless because they got to cross the river. Yeah. And they're not crossing the yeah. river right now because it's up and, and going. So half of my half of my places aren't, aren't any count right now because uh, you know I'm using the river to, to I got, catch them. There's a place here in Franklin County I coyote hunt and and I do some deer hunting there also. It's over off Elkhorn and you might know where I'm talking about. Uh, somebody that works up front's property. Yep. And uh, I, typically that bottom field by the creek is just loaded with deer. Mm -hmm. And I went out there and coyote hunt the other day, and I forgot my coyote call, so I just sat there with my rifle and just watching to see if a coyote happened to stroll out. I didn't see a single deer or a single animal. And I, I thought, that's extremely strange. That never happens. And then I got to thinking, well, that creek was up so high that nothing, mm -hmm. they, it was up in the woods. It probably pushed all those deer out of those woods, and they probably had to move across to another patch it's of woods. Corn soybeans down there this year. It's corn. Well, half that field is corn, half of it's hay. So, uh, but typically, I mean, it's loaded with deer. Mm -hmm. Literally, the first time I've gone there and not seen a deer, but it's because the creek was so high. So, we have had some flooding <laughs> here recently. So, people might need to think about mm -hmm. what the creeks being out of their banks and up in the woods might have done to their areas. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I know that a lot of those places are still going to be pretty soft or still be pretty flooded as of tomorrow. It's rained today. So, it didn't help the, yeah. the water levels go down at all. It probably didn't make them any higher, but something to think about anyway. All right, I'll tell you what. You guys got anything else you want to throw in there? I think I've pretty much gone through almost everything I wanted to get through. I think we're pretty good. I just wanted to say, uh, uh, just on just as for harvest numbers, I mean, we were talking about those a minute ago. We, so far as of this morning, we've killed, killed about 24,000 deer as of, as of this morning. 24,000 24, as of this morning? Yeah. So, I mean, if, if, if tomorrow the rifle season is as it has been, which is roughly around 100,000 deer, um, not including late muzzle loader and the rest of archery season, we should be sitting pretty good this year. We'll probably kill twenty four thousand on Saturday and Sunday. Combined. So I was wondering if you thought that our harvest to this point would double. Yeah, it, it'll tomorrow. be doubled as of Monday. I've got a really good feeling about tomorrow. I'm going with a buddy who has a buck tag, and we're going to a A plus prime location. You need to bring two buddies. <laughs> Man, it's a <laughs> it's one of those spots where I really, really, really think that a a booner is extremely possible. Yeah. Cool. I showed you that shit. I'm down on bucks. I'm just saying. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not taking a gun tomorrow either. I'm just going to help. I can't go tomorrow anyways. I'll be at a processor collecting CWD samples. Oh, so. well, that's fun. I, yeah. What I was going to say, though, is after we get out of the woods tomorrow, hopefully we got a deer with us. But it, even if we don't, I'm going to run to being in Baghdad, and I'm going to just see what people bring in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's always kind of fun. That's why people say they miss the old check stations because, you know, it's kind of a community-type deal. But 
that if you find a spot like BNN or another processor country store type place, you can still get that experience. So yeah, I'll be at Moon's tomorrow. Probably, probably gonna say processor or taxidermist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both of those places are cool places to go hang out, talk to talk to those folks, have that camaraderie well, that you used to have. BNN serves great food. Yeah. My taxidermist, uh, well, his wife does, but he is useless on opening day of gun season when the food comes to food. So I'll go to BNN first and maybe make a trip to the taxidermist. But anyway, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. I'm going to smoke some doughs. I appreciate you guys coming on. And if you're good, I'm good. Yep. All right. Good luck, everyone. Yep. Thank you guys for coming.